Hey guys, Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Chapter 4 continues with Surah Al-Imran, and these first ayahs talk about the objections and issues the people of Bani Israel had with the Quran. The people of Bani asked, why are some of the laws in the Quran different from the Torah and previous scriptures? For example, they thought that the Torah forbid them to eat camel meat, but in the Quran it's allowed. But it was actually never forbidden or even written in the Torah. It was Prophet Yaqub who personally did not like eating camel meat due to health reasons. So Allah told him, bring the Torah, show where it's written that eating camel is not allowed. It won't be there because Allah never said so. Allah said, you people made these changes to your religion and changed the scripture, so don't put the blame on Allah. Sometimes even today we hear scientific evidence that contradicts the Quran, but always remember, do humans know more or does Allah know more? The people of Bani Israel also had a problem with the change in the direction of Salah from Baytul Maghdis to the Kaaba. But Allah said that the Kaaba was the first house built in his name. It was built by the angels even before Prophet Adam came to the world and he rebuilt it and then Ibrahim and his son rebuilt it. It was only during the time of the Prophet Sulaiman's rule that the direction was changed to Baytul Maghdis. But when the Prophet Muhammad peace be upon him came as the last messenger to perfect the word of Allah, Allah changed the direction back to the Kaaba. In fact, Prophet Ibrahim's footprint was preserved next to the Kaaba to show Ibrahim's effort towards his obedience towards Allah. Ibrahim is the perfect example of someone who gave up everything he loved for the sake of Allah. Ibrahim was even ready to slaughter his own beloved son for the sake of Allah, and Allah rewarded him and saved Ismail instead. If Prophet Ibrahim was willing to sacrifice his own son, the least we should be able to do is sacrifice our time, effort, and money for the sake of Allah to prove our love. As Ramadan is approaching, we should ask ourselves, what will we give up? And when you do give up something, give it up happily. Allah talks about Hajj and how we should not delay going to Hajj. If you are able to go, then go, because you never know what obstacles might come up in the future. Yes, it is difficult to leave your family and business for a period of time, but this is all part of giving up your time and worldly duties for the sake of Allah. Allah says that if after a five-year period, if a person has the ability to go for Hajj or Umrah, and it is not a burden on them, they should go again to get their sins wiped. And if they don't go, despite having the ability to go, Allah says those people are depriving themselves. They're missing out. So if Allah has given you the financial capacity to go for Hajj and Umrah, take advantage of that opportunity and wipe away your sins. Allah says be careful. Don't fall in the trap of other people and their desires over the direction of the Quran and Sunnah. Don't get distracted by the fun other people are having and choose that over Islam. Hold on to Allah as that is the only path to Jannah. You should continuously strengthen your relationship with Allah throughout your life not just in the month of Ramadan. Allah knows that it's very easy to fall astray. You might be doing good deeds now and praying five times a day, but it is very easy to slip and you never know when you might die. So, Allah says, do not die without being in a state of submission. Meaning, you don't want to die while you're in a period of your life where you're not praying and you're doing bad deeds. So, always be conscious about that. Allah says, ask me to give you comfort and enjoyment in worshipping Allah. Ask Allah to make worshipping fun. Allah says, no matter how religion a person may be right now and worship Allah like crazy, that does not mean they'll stay good Muslims for their entire lives. A single bad thing can happen that could cause a person to slip, especially if they don't maintain their relationship with Allah. Allah says our Iman is like a flower. You don't just fertilize the flower once and leave it. You must continuously water it and fertilize it, just as you must continuously fertilize your heart. Allah says Quran is the rope suspended in the sky with one end with Allah and the other end is for you to take hold of. Allah knows how hard it is to practice Islam by yourself. It takes a lot of discipline. The path to Jannah is not easy. This is why Allah says, surround yourself with other people who have a strong Iman. Find a group of friends that you can practice your faith with. So if you ever begin to slip, those people can help you. Choose friends that will help you climb that rope to Allah. There is strength in unity. Find your Jannah buddy.
Allah says that He blessed us with Islam and this message so that we can spread it to others who are in need of it. Yes, sometimes other people do get annoyed when you tell them about Islam or when you advise them to pray. But Allah says it's not that big of a deal. Be patient. You lose nothing by reminding them. But you definitely gain a reward from at least trying. Allah says anytime you encounter someone who shows you hatred, always have patience and be respectful because Allah will reward you. Allah mentions again, do not waste your talent, knowledge, and other blessings that Allah has given you by not spending it in the way of Allah. Those blessings will lose its honor. It will lose its value. Do whatever you can. Even if you have very little to give or you're very weak, Allah will give you the strength to give more. Allah says, you will have many losses in life. But Allah says, do not consider it a loss. Say Alhamdulillah. When you lose something, be grateful because Allah will always compensate you with something better. So when something bad happens or if you lose something, don't question it. Just accept it that this was Allah's best plan for you. Allah says, never give up when you are faced with struggles. Allah put you in this struggle as a test to strengthen your iman. And if you do feel weak while facing your struggles, well then it's because of your sins. It is your actions that put you in this situation. So ask Allah for forgiveness and ask Allah for strength. Allah says if you are doing the right thing for the sake of Allah and people are giving you trouble for it, that anything that you suffer in the way of Allah is recorded as a reward. Allah says that if you go through many hardships all because you are trying to make Allah happy, then Allah will definitely reward you. Allah says that every action, every effort that you make, no matter how small it is, whether it's buying a car, painting your room, cleaning your room, do it with the intention of pleasing Allah and Allah will make that tiny act better. Allah is shukr, which means Allah is very appreciative. He appreciates even the smallest effort. So appreciate back. Be thankful for what Allah gives you. And anytime you're worried that, oh my God, how am I going to do something? Say, Hasbi Allah wa ni'mal wakil. It means Allah is enough for me and Allah will take care of me. Allah reminds us that no matter what happens in life, just remember, Allah is never unfair. Allah is the most just. So whatever happens to you, it is because of your own actions. Allah warns us, this world is just a distraction. It is filled with many things that will give you happiness and pleasure. But don't forget that it is all temporary. This world is a test. It's actually a huge layover. This isn't the real destination. Jannah is the real destination. Allah tells us, be self-aware. Understand why Allah created you and understand why Allah created the world and what your purpose is in it. Allah says again, don't be tricked by the success of others in this world. Just because they live a lavish and luxurious life and they're not even practicing Muslims doesn't mean anything. It is just a temporary enjoyment because if they're not making Allah happy, they may be living their entire lives without a single problem, but Allah says they will definitely be punished in the hereafter. So Allah says, be patient. Do not think your reward is far away. Do not give up. Stay firm and Allah will reward you. So this is where Surah Al-Imran ends, but chapter 4 continues with Surah An-Nisa. So Surah An-Nisa begins with saying, O mankind, fear your Lord, who created you from a single soul and gave you a spouse, from whom you have children with. You should fear Allah when it comes to giving the rights your family and relatives deserve. Allah says, do not be stingy with your relatives. Those who have extra wealth while their family and relatives are in need of help, Allah says on the day of judgment, a snake will come and wrap around those people's necks. Yeah, pretty serious. Your family and relatives have a right over your extra wealth. In this surah, Allah has also declared the rule for inheritance. Allah made it mandatory that when men die and their children and wives are left, they must get what is theirs. Outside families should not take what belongs to the wife and kids. Allah talks about your intention when a man marries a woman especially an orphan woman. He should not marry her if he feels he will not be able to be fair to her or be able to take care of her properly. 
which means if the man does not think he can love his wife properly, then he should not get married to that girl. For those men who wish to marry more than one wife, if he will not be able to properly treat all of his wives equally, he should not marry another wife. Allah says a man is required to gift his wife for the marriage, meher. He should give it with the intention of love, and whatever he may give, big or small, it is up to the wife if she wants to keep it or not. Allah says a man must take care of his wife, provide for them, clothe them, and speak to them with kindness. Allah says for young orphans who have wealth that belongs to them, wait until they are the age of maturity or mature enough to handle the money and then give them their fortune. Do not spend it or keep it for yourself. You must give orphans what their share of wealth is. Allah says both men and women must have inheritance rights from their parents. Whatever property or wealth is left over by parents, both the son and daughter have equal rights on that inheritance. For the relatives who don't have a share in inheritance when someone dies, Allah says if they really need it, just be nice to them and give them something little. And if you can't give them anything at all, then make sure you at least say something nice to them. See, that's how nice Islam is. Those who take away the inheritance of an orphan or a wife wrongfully will be punished severely. For the inheritance, Allah has given the son and daughter equal rights, but the son is given twice the amount of share than the woman. Why did Allah decide this? Because it has to do with the responsibilities Allah gave to the husband and the man in Islam. Allah has made it mandatory that men have more duties with their wealth. They have to provide for their wife and their sister. They have to fulfill this duty. And this duty can be legally enforced in Islam. But this is why men are given more inheritance money since Allah basically says that men have to spend that money towards the wife or sister anyway. Allah says that if a man divorces his wife, even then he is required to still give the wife a portion of inheritance. Allah is all-knowing and all-just. If he has said this, then that means this is the best way to do things. And we should trust it even if we don't completely understand it. Inheritance is mandatory by Allah, and the amount of inheritance depends on the amount of children and the amount of sons and daughters. There are many rules of inheritance, but we won't get into the details of all of that. Allah has allowed at least one-third of a person's wealth to be given to people outside of their family, meaning given for any other reason. For all inheritance, whatever debt that a person has must be paid off before anyone gets their share. In fact, even if the heirs are well off, Allah says they are still required that specific share. The Prophet peace be upon him visited a Sahaba who thought he was dying and the Prophet asked the man, do you have a will made? And the man said, no, no, I don't need a will because I'm going to leave all my money for the sake of Allah. The Prophet peace be upon him said, what about your children? The man said, no, they're very well off. They don't need the money. The Prophet peace be upon him said, you must give your children their right share. And the maximum you can leave for the sake of Allah is only one third. So Allah has basically knowingly given this instruction to leave a certain amount with your children regardless of the fact if they are rich. Now if the Prophet is saying that Allah has said this, even in this scenario, then obviously Allah knows best. Allah now talks about those who commit zina, whether it's men or female. Bring forward four witnesses to confirm them of being guilty, and only then should they be punished. Allah says the man and woman who committed zina should be dishonored and punished. But if they repent, they should be left alone. Any sexual act is zina, homosexual or heterosexual, it is punishable. The Prophet peace upon him said, a man should not look at the private parts of another man and a woman should not look at the private parts of another woman. If an act of zina or homosexuality happens, Allah will forgive them only if they repent and stop that sin. However, repentance is not accepted if a person continues to sin up until the day they die. Meaning they didn't care and they kept sinning and sinning and only stopped once they found out they were about to die and then they asked for forgiveness. That's cheating. You're taking advantage of Allah's mercy. Allah states that it is not allowed for a man to marry a wife who's being forced into that marriage. 
A woman is not a man's property and you may not take her rights away or take back what you've given them. Allah says you must always treat them with kindness and ignore and overlook as much as you can all the things that you might not like about her because those things could actually be good for you. Allah says if you wish to divorce or marry another wife, you are not allowed to take back any of the gifts or wealth that you have given her. Allah has forbidden a man to marry a woman who his father married. Allah has also forbidden a man to marry his mother, his daughters, his aunts, his siblings' children, his stepmother, his stepsister, his son's wife. So that's the end of chapter 4. Let's quickly recap. We learned from Surah Al-Imran all the issues the people of Bani Israel had with Islam and the Quran and how they were told that they can't blame Allah for all the things that they changed about the Torah. We learned again that this world is temporary and how we should not chase this world. How Prophet Ibrahim is the best example of someone who gave up everything, including his son, in order to please Allah. And how we should also give up the stuff that we love about this world if we truly love Allah and want to make him happy. We learned that all Muslims should go visit the Kaaba for Umrah or Hajj whenever they can. We learned that being a good Muslim and following Islam can be hard, especially if you do it alone. This is why Allah tells us to surround yourself with good Muslims who can help you on this journey to Jannah. Being a good Muslim requires continuous effort because it's very easy to slip. We also learned that it is our job to spread the message of Islam, even if people get annoyed, even if people begin to hate you for it. Your duty is just to educate them because Islam should never be forced. We learned that this life is full of tests and we will be tested with lots and lots of problems. And whatever we go through, it is directly because of our own actions. But even the hardship is Allah's way to bring us back to Him. So if you trust Allah, ask Allah for help. Stay patient and follow the Quran. Allah says He will reward you for all the trouble that you went through. We learn to be thankful for what Allah has given us and how we shouldn't be jealous of what other people have and how we shouldn't get distracted by this world or think that just because others are getting away with doing haram things that we'll also be able to get away. No one gets away. Fear Allah and His punishment. We then learn about family dynamics and your responsibility towards your family and relatives and the rules of inheritance for each family member. Lastly, we learn about marriage and what intention a person should marry with, how sex outside of marriage is haram, the etiquettes on giving the wife a gift, rules on divorce, the responsibility that Allah has given the husband to obey, and who the man can and cannot marry. So this is where chapter 4 ends. Surah An-Nisa continues on to chapter 5.